Okay. Yeah. Not at the moment. Right. Can we be quiet again, please? All right, Chris. Okay. So, as we come to this idea of sharing the gospel, if you remember, I said, okay, knowing the gospel is one thing, sharing the gospel is another, and I had three letters, TFG, to help us understand what it means to share the gospel. And T stands for think. And that's what we're going to talk about today, think. The first thing about sharing the gospel with other people is to think. I'm going to read you a couple of verses from Peter. And uh, this is all summarised on these sheets, which you can have at the end if you wish. Uh, These are two verses from 2 Peter, and it says this, Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. This is the important bit as far as today's talk is concerned. Live such good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Live such good lives among the pagans, and pagan, in the context that they're using in Scripture, just means those people who do not believe in God. So if you know anyone who doesn't believe in God, you're quite entitled to go up to them and say you're a pagan. But you'll probably get punched on the nose, and it's not the best thing to do. Okay? So... Don't do that. What I'm suggesting instead is that actually what this passage says is that we think about what we do. And here are some of the things that I believe we need to especially think about because these are the things that will make a big difference to what people think about you and how people think about God because of you. And the first thing is the sorts of humour, the sorts of jokes we make. It is a godly thing to have a sense of humour. God gave us a sense of humour. It's a godly thing to have fun. God made us to want to have fun. But it's not right when me having fun hurts someone else. And it's too easy to make jokes about people which make people, that person, feel bad. It's too easy to make jokes about someone, guys, it's too easy to make jokes about someone that makes someone feel miserable. And so maybe there's five or six of you, and you're having a great joke, but the seventh person is the butt of your jokes, and the seventh person feels unhappy because of your jokes. Danny? I was actually in the hospital at work on this train, and uh, I found, it was actually last week actually, last Friday, and uh, I read in the newspaper once that South Park, the great South Park made fun of Steve Irwin. They made one of him uh, where he was in hell, in hell and there was a stingray uh, oh, yeah. poking out of his chest. Really? Yeah, I read Okay, so that was a very un- un-nice thing that they did. They probably didn't mean it. Yes, they made, they made, fun, yes, they made fun of religion and homosexuality yeah. too. Guys, Danny is speaking. He's the only person whose voice <laughs> I want to hear. Yeah, as I said, they also make fun of religion and Yeah, and South Park is one of the popular TV shows, and yet the whole style of what South Park is doing... <laughs> Alright, can we listen? South Park, one of the, the whole style of what South Park does is to make, or at least in that comment you made, is to actually put someone else down and to ridicule someone else. 
And so I'm saying that the first thing about think about your lifestyle in order to share the gospel is to think, do you use your humour to make other people feel bad about themselves? So you and your mates are having a great joke, but it's at someone else's expense. And (laughs) if we want to share the gospel, if we want to share the gospel, the first thing we have to do is cut that out. Because... It's not the sort of thing Jesus would have done. Charlie? On, some, on things like, um, have I got these views that they will take loads of their jokes are like, um, to take the mick out of other people. Yep. Like, like politicians yeah, and I think that's an ungodly sense of use of, of humour. Right? It's, it's an ungodly, guys, it's an ungodly use of humour. If we want to be people that reflect God, then we shouldn't be using our humour to put other people down. Sam? Can you tell us a funny God-friendly joke, please? Uh, I'm not that good at telling oh, jokes, uh, so I won't. You put people down. Yeah, you do, actually. You put people down. Right. Oh, wait. I am... Okay, shush. Quiet. Ben has just said, I put people down, and I am being very challenged by this talk as I speak. Okay? I'm not coming here saying, I've got it all right, do it my way. I'm coming here saying, hey, let's think about what it means to share the gospel. And here's something. From now on, you have the following permission. From now on, you have the... The permission, if you catch me using humour to put someone down, you can tell me off. Because I want us to become a group that sharpens each other. Guys, can we listen for a minute? I want us to become a group that sharpens each other and helps us to become a group that really is sharing the gospel. So the first thing is our humour. Danny. If I ever catch you do that, Jeff. Can I get Children. you excluded from school? Can I tell my what you didn't get you excluded? Well, I don't think she'd exclude me for that. <laughs> Can we let some more people squash in, please? Right, the second thing about think. Before, before I make the second point, when I was your age, when I was your age, Can we just settle, please? When I was your age, one of the songs we sang had the following words to it. This is just a, a one verse in the chorus of the song. Men will look at the life I lead, see the side I take and the things I love. They judge my Lord by my every deed. Lord, set my affections on things above. They are watching you, marking all you do, hearing the things you say. Let them see the Saviour as he shines in you. Let his power control you every day. People are watching you and thinking, that person says they're a Christian, how can they live like that? I remember this story last night at the senior meeting, and I'll I'll tell it now because it's relevant. A number of years ago, probably about 15 years ago, one of the sixth formers came into my office and said, you know that Christian in the sixth form 
that one that you love because he's a Christian and he's a goody-goody and he's a godly guy and everyone knows he's a Christian so you must love him because that's the sort of person you like. You know that guy? Do you know what he did on Saturday night? He went to a party and he got drunk and he got off with a girl. So there's a Christian who's been watched. So what I said was, take a seat. We Christians aren't perfect. But I know he can be forgiven. And I know he's going to heaven. Are you going there? Because I like turning things back on people's heads. But <laughs> the point is, the point is, that guy was noticed when he slipped because normally his lifestyle was something that people recognised was godly. We're not perfect. And if you're living for God, people are going to point out the things you do wrong because they're going to say, you can't do that, you're a Christian. Well, that helps to sharpen you as well. But my suspicion is, most of us don't get people pointing things out because we're Christians, because we're not, on the whole, living particularly godly lives. So the first thing is about our sense of humour and how we use our sense of humour. The second thing is about our general behaviour. If no one is watching over us, telling us how to behave... Do we behave as if Jesus was watching us? Or do we behave <coughs> in a way that is perhaps a little bit raucous? So, think about what you're like when there's no adults around. Think about what you're like maybe in a classroom where the teacher hasn't turned up yet. Think about what you're like when you're with a bunch of friends and someone says, Oh, let's go and run up and ring some doorbells and run away. Or That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a little old lady in this house. If we ring her doorbell, we know it's going to take her five minutes to get out of her chair <laughs> and creep up to the door. And as soon as she sat down again, we can do it again. <laughs> what are you like? Are you someone that behaves well when no one's watching? Or do you mess around when no one's watching? Because, you know, there's never a time when no one's watching. There's never a time when no one's watching, because God is always watching. Matthew. Sorry, Charlie. Um, Hand was above Matthew's head, which is what confused me. <laughs> um, well, some, some, it, you might not always mess around when the teacher's not in the classroom. You, sometimes you might. Yeah, my class is good in art, because... We didn't have a teacher for a whole half of a lesson, but we still did all of our work because because we all like art. Very good. Charlie was speaking there. Carry on, Charlie. Okay, Phil. Um, they're playing computer games all the time, counted ungodly. Oh. No, you're playing the Bible game. How many of those are? Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Where, where did you get it? Right, listen. <laughs> listen. No, it's, it's not ungodly to play computer games, but it is perhaps, you know, that's something you're doing privately and alone. We're talking about how we spread the gospel to the people that are watching us. Yeah. I think I'll just sit quietly because otherwise they're going to pick on me. <laughs> so just do what you know is right without telling everyone else what to do. David. 
Well, but the thing is that you'll get classified not as a, you'll get classified as something else if you don't do anything. What would you get classified as? Either a good thing or someone who just like lives, loves working or something. Not a Christian, because people don't classify sitting down quietly as Christians, do they? But the thing is, right, in my old art class, right, people, yeah, <laughs> th- there's this kid, right, and every time the teacher yeah, left yeah. the classroom, stop it. <laughs> 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 they, they went up to this kid and they knocked off his chair and they started kicking him and stuff, and it was really bad, and I was like, oh, no! And I was like, oh, it's like really bad. So and there's an example of what we know we shouldn't be joining in with. See, that's, that's okay? ungodly. That's ungodly. That's what, all I'm saying about this is think about whether you think what you're doing is okay or not. George? In, the po- in response to what someone over there said. David. Yeah, right. um, does it really matter what another human being classifies you as, really? Or does no, it matter what God, God classifies you as? No, 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 you as can. Disciples? No, because it will make your life harder to do Christian things. I think it matters. The whole point is that it matters. It does matter. It does matter what others think of us, not in the sense of, oh, we must look good for everyone, in front of everyone, but in the sense that, in the sense that what Jeff was just saying about people, if, if, if people know you're a Christian, and people then look at you to see the ways that a Christian would be behaving, so in that sense, they're going to make, whether you, whether you think it's right or not, they're going to make judgments on you. Based, based on what you do. Whether you think it's right that we should judge people, what they do is something different, but the fact is they are going to be. So are we giving God's impression? Are we being uh, ambassadors for God in that way? Here's a little thing that I heard at Soul Survivor in the summer, so it's not me, I didn't come up with this, but that might help us. I hope you can all spell in your mind the word think, because we're going to use the letters of the word think. Your actions, before you do them, check them along this checklist to see whether it's okay. Because if they're godly, this checklist, well, you'll be able to tick things off. The T stands for, especially if you're saying things to people, the T stands for truthful. Is what you're about to say to someone truthful? Okay? Now, that's not enough on its own, because the H, let me finish it and then we can talk. The H stands for, is it hurtful? Because you might find that something's truthful, but you might also find that it's hurtful. So that it's not enough for it just to be truthful. You must make sure it's not hurtful as well. Okay? Because, uh, for instance, it might be very true to say to me uh, something which would also hurt me. And that's not necessary. But then you're lying. The, a, the I, so that you just don't say anything. It's not lying to keep your mouth shut. That's not white lie. The I, <laughs> I've just forgotten what the I stands for because you confused me. Listen. The I stands for important. Is it? Shush, quiet please. The I stands for important. Is it important to say this thing? For instance, it might be truthful and not hurtful to say something to someone, but it might be so trivial that it isn't something that they're going to... Wait a minute, let me finish. The N stands for necessary. Is it necessary to say it? And finally, the K stands for kind. Is it kind? Because if we're working on these things, is it T, truthful, H, hurtful, I, important, N, necessary, K, kind. If we think about 
are my actions and my words these things, you're beginning to think, am I sharing God in the way I live? Young lady there. Go on, give me an example. If your mum says, do you like my new hairdo? Okay, right. Well, I think those things are not the most important thing. And therefore, what you've got to do is be kind and not hurtful. So if you think your mum's new hairdo is the worst thing that's ever happened, it might look good on your dad, but it makes your mum look bad, or whatever it is, then... Excuse me. Um, Then find a way of saying something which isn't going to be nasty. I would say something like, I would say something like, oh, it's made a difference, Mum. Which hasn't answered the question at all, but it's been very positive. It's interesting. Yes. Well, that's why you have to really think about something. And if you make mistakes, as we all make mistakes, and you find out you've done something that did hurt someone, that's when there are two, or maybe some people might count them as three, very important words. I'm sorry. I am sorry. Okay? Because we do make mistakes. But I do, that all do you know, one of the biggest things Christians should do is use those words, I'm sorry. Because the world, if you upset someone, often just, oh, that's them. Huh. What is it to me? But to say I'm sorry is a big thing to do as Christians. Philip. How about if it's a two option answer and if if you choose the untruthful one, it's going to hurt their feelings. Okay. So if you choose the truthful one, it hurts, and if you choose the untruthful one, it doesn't. Is that what you're saying? Sometimes I think you've just got to you've got to you've got to quick pray and ask, (laughs) ask God. Ask God for help in some situations. I mean, this isn't an absolute 100% will always work, but at least you're thinking about how do I do the right thing. And what I'm really saying, the most important thing is we think about how do I do the right thing. Charlie and then someone else before Jared. Charlie. Never worry about the other person. Your job is to make sure, as far as you've done, you've got the situation sorted. So even if they're more at fault than you are, you do the bit you can do to say sorry for the bit you've done. Shouldn't you make them realise that they're No, that's between them and God. Your job is to be as right with God as you can be. Yeah? Why is it especially good to say sorry It's because not many people do it. So as Christians, we should be the first people to try to build bridges. It's a big difference. This our world doesn't say sorry enough. Okay, I've got like this situation. Like, okay, so say. Like Don't tell me it's in art. No. <laughs> okay, listen, no, no, listen. What if it hurts, right? Can you stand to be um, if you don't tell them, but it will, it will hurt if you tell them. So like, say, like your your friend, husband or wife, is um, like having an affair, and if you tell them then it's going to hurt them, but if they find out themselves, it's also going to hurt them. So okay. if you don't tell them, it will hurt them. If you do tell them, it will hurt them. In that situation, the first thing I would do is not go barging in to say anything. The first thing I would do is to pray and ask God for revelation. All right? And then I think the second thing I would do is to go to the person who is having the affair 
and say, look, I know you're doing this and you are hurting yourself or you're hurting my friend. I want you to confess it to your husband and wife because I'm going to have to tell them soon. But I'm giving you the option to tell them yourself and sort it out. What if they kill you? <laughs> You've done it for God. Yes! <laughs> David first, sorry. Yeah, um, what, what happens if it's like, for example, you know, um, Chris, yeah? Your name's Chris, yeah? Charlie. Charlie was saying that you, who should say sorry first. What happens if it, you're on the receiving end of the person who should be saying sorry, but they just never say sorry? Forgive them. Yes, but on, you forgive them, but they don't really, they don't really take it in. Well all, well, all forgiveness is, is you saying, I'm not going to count it against that person. Okay? And you're saying to God, Lord, they've hurt me real bad, and it's made me quite sad. But I want to do it your way, and that is, I choose to forgive them. Lord, there's pain. Be healing my pain, but help me to be as, off, as, as possible as I can be to not hold it against them. It doesn't mean you can be their best friend anymore if they've, if they've done something to you, because there's pain there. But it does mean you can say, you know, you're going to help them when they need it. Is there any chance you two blokes could stop groping each other all the way through the meeting? Thank you. Right. Yeah, the Bible does teach you gain homosexuality. Okay, young lady. Okay, you've had a really big argument with someone. You go to them and say sorry, but they just push it back into your face. Yeah. That's in that answer. You've just been very, very unchristian in what you said to me and trying. Yes, sir. I yeah. apologise. Hey. You bet you. You just had a laugh at that. Well, you pointed me out. Thank you. I apologise. Okay. Okay. Can I go back to the young lady's question? But could you two stop messing around then? <laughs> Young lady's question was, what if you said sorry, but they just throw it back in your face? This is a tough one, but this is what God would want us to do. God would say, okay, you have done all you can do. The only other thing you can do is to pray for God to bless them, and you're just going to have to live with the situation, because there's no more you can do. You can't change what someone else is doing. All you could ever do is make sure you've done as much as you can do for that situation. Yes? Um, so you never thought end for necessary. Um, do you mean like as in, as in you're in the class and, um, and you're in each class on something, something you know you're going to get in trouble? Or do you mean like um, someone... I was thinking more of the point of saying, for instance, uh, someone comes into your, one of your friends turns up and they're wearing clothes that you think are pants. I don't mean you think the clothes are underwear, <laughs> I mean you think the clothes are rubbish. But it's not necessary to tell them that. Because there's no need to tell them that. They, no. They've chosen those clothes. What you think about them is irrelevant. But, but suppose somebody's picking on them, but they don't understand why, so would you no. go and tell them? If that was the case, then it becomes necessary. But if it's just your opinion, it's not necessary. Yeah? You know in the word think, it's necessary and important the same thing. It's a necessary and important the same 
they're very close, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So there's just different ways of asking the same sort of question. Okay, I just want to sum up by saying this. The first thing about sharing the gospel is not then about going out and telling people Jesus loves them. The first thing about sharing the gospel is to think about the way you live, the things you say, the things you do, the way you act, how you behave, and think, is this the way that represents Jesus? Is this the way that represents God? You're not 100% able to do it, because we're imperfect. And I, as Paul says in Scripture, am the greatest of sinners. I get it wrong all the time, and especially because I have the job of teaching you, and you're watching me, I'm going to make it wrong, get it wrong all the time, and so are you, but let's think about it, and let's think about how we live to represent God in our world. Last question. You know that you said... It's not easy following God. Sometimes it's going to be hard. Sometimes you're going to have people that are picking on you and you just got to bear it. Get some friends to pray with you. So you would just sit there and let them do that to you? I might move out. The, I might try and move away from them. <laughs> but if I can't, then, you know, there's not an awful lot you can do. You've got to love them. That's what God says. However hard and nasty people are, you've got to love them. Well, you won't necessarily say, I love you, because you might get something even worse. Let me tell you a story that illustrates this from World War II, a story some of you will know. A woman called Corrie Ten Boom and her family were trying to help the Jews escape from the Nazis, and they were hiding Jews in their house, but eventually they got arrested, and they got taken to concentration camp, and they were treated very badly in the concentration camp. Uh, her sister eventually gets dies because she's been treated so badly in the concentration camp. Her father dies. All her family dies. And the Nazi guards, the prison guards, were badly treating all these women. But this woman, Corrie, manages to survive to the end of the war and is released. And she's a Christian. The whole family were Christians. She knows her family have been killed. Many of her friends have been killed. And she herself has been bullied and beaten up and persecuted and tortured in prison. And she's preaching one day in a church about five, ten years after the war. Jesus loves you and Jesus wants you to forgive each other. And come forward if you want to, be, if you want to forgive people. And at the end of the service, one of the people walking towards her is one of the Nazi prison guards from that concentration camp who comes up to her and says, please forgive me for what I did. And she said, everything in me wanted to hit her and to scream. But I had just been preaching about forgiveness. So I said, Lord, I cannot forgive this person, but I ask for your help. I choose to forgive. And she said, as she said, I do that, God gave her the power to take this person and say, I forgive you. And that 
is God's miracles, and we have to expect God to be able to give us those miracles. Yes? Yeah, right. Year 13. Year 13. Exactly, and you just have to sit there. You just have to sit there. Life can be very hard. But I would say, if that was the situation, if you're talking about a real situation, there is someone who's really being nasty to you, there are several things to do. One is to get together with some other Christian lasses and laddies and be praying for your strength and be praying for the person. But if it's really a situation of bullying, then if it's really bullying, not just someone being nasty, then you ought to also report it to a teacher because they might be doing it to someone else. So I wouldn't say don't report it to a teacher if it's bullying, but if it's just getting at you because you're a Christian, you need to get some people praying with you. Boom, boom. Charlie, then back to you. Yes? Well, I think if it's really bullying, then bullies tend to be very clever. If you physically go back at them, they're going to find a way of getting you into more trouble than they get into. So you need to, if it's bullying, get other people to help you. Right? Get a, tell your teacher, talk to someone, tell me, whatever. But, you know... If it's not really bullying, if it's just having a go at you because they don't like you and they're just being nasty to you occasionally, forgive them. Yes? Uh, 
I think if you deliberately hold a grudge against a person, not deliberately, but say you can't forgive them. Well, if you're if you're if you're working on it, if you're working on it and praying about it, then you're doing what all you can do. Well, aren't it's you? not really actively holding a grudge if yeah. you're not deliberately blaming it. So what is it? What's the difference between a grudge and not forgiving? Grudge is when you're kind of consciously choosing not to address the issue. So even though you keep saying know that you can forgive them, but you're thinking, oh, I really don't want no, to. Or I just can't be bothered to try or even address the issue that's still affecting my life. Yeah. What if someone's bullying you and it's unnecessary and you don't know why they're bullying you, so you can't really change their opinion about you? Well, that's the definition of bullying, isn't it? Because it's always unnecessary and you'll never really know why. Um, if you can't live with it, then you need to tell someone about it. You can tell me in the context of TFG so it's not being done in the sense of the school because if you talk to me it's outside the or if you talk to the chaplaincy it's outside the school's discipline and we might try and deal with it without that but actually also sometimes it really needs to be dealt with properly by the school because if someone is a bully then it's possibly not just you they're bullying and very often they're bullying because they've got a major problem of their own that this is a way of dealing with for them and we need to help them with that major problem which isn't you know it's not because of you but maybe something happened in or is happening in their life and the only way they can cope with it is by taking it out on someone else so there are reasons good reasons to tell people if you're being bullied we've got to finish we're running out of time you know what you know we should ask them if someone to say to you and then how can you say that you have to do with them when you said, yeah, thinking about what will hurt other people, they might think that you just bring it right back in, right back in their face. That might just be hurting. Well, it might be. The, the basic bottom thing is you've got to always... What I'm, what I'm really trying to say today is always be thinking about what your motives for doing something is. Are your motives honest before God? They might get misinterpreted, but are you trying to do God's thing God's way? That's the important thing. Now we've got at least one person who's fallen asleep. So I'm going to say, that's the end. And we finish there.